Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. This is the third show in our Lessons Learned from Crisis series in partnership with Tealbook. I hope you're enjoying this series as much as I am. I'm learning a lot and it's really making me think about how, how our industry prepares for and responds to big challenges. Today, we are looking at how Tealbook uses that data that we talked about in episodes one and two to develop products and solutions to help keep organizations strong, ready for change, and prepared for whatever the world might throw at them, especially in the light of the lessons COVID-19 has taught us. So welcome to the show, Ian. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited for you to be here because we're going to be talking a little bit more about the diversity side, which I love. Everybody knows that that's something that I'm a really big advocate of. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, and what is the one thing that would surprise people about diversity? Sure. So uh, uh, my name's Ian Woodbury, and I'm a failed aerospace engineer. <laughs> Ended up working in software my whole life instead. Uh, never got to get on a space shuttle or anything like that. Um, but have been building software. And with Tealbook, I'm focused on the product and where we're going with our roadmap and how do we decide where to focus and where to put our attention. And the diversity solution is really near and dear to my heart because it was uh, just over two and a half years ago that I saw this space and thought there's an incredible opportunity to improve the way businesses are approaching diversity. And um, two and a half years later, I feel like we've really changed how diversity is seen. And that the number that jumped out to me, and uh, when you first were talking about that, it was uh, it jumped out in kind of capital letters is, if you look at it, less than 5% of the diverse companies operating in the United States are certified. Wow. Meanwhile, 95% of all major companies operating in the United States have a diversity program and are actively looking for diverse companies. So there's a mismatch between what the market's looking for and I think what uh, these smaller and diverse companies, they're leaving opportunities on the table. And that 5%, 95% mismatches, I think, would surprise a lot of people. That's a huge discrepancy. And I'm really glad that you highlighted those numbers because I think, you know, unless we put it into perspective like that, we really don't know where the gaps are and what that looks like and really how we can better support the community. And I think, you know, better supporting the, the, you know, diverse companies to get certified obviously is where the biggest gaps are and that we need to get behind and support and be like, yes, no, you should go get certified because there's a lot of people looking for you and that want to do a lot of business with you. And I'm just going to say, I think I'm, you know, I'm very glad that you stuck with software and, um, you know, kept aerospace as a bit of a hobby. So just so you know, um, so let's talk about supplier diversity. You know, can you explain that to us? You know, why is it important and why should organizations be paying attention to diversity in their supplier portfolio? Well, at its core, supplier diversity is a proactive attempt by large businesses to engage with small businesses and businesses that are owned by people from historically disadvantaged groups. So that would include women, visible minorities, people with disabilities. 
there's a number of these different communities which historically have been had difficulty engaging with large businesses. And it provides two benefits. You know, the, the first is that for those large companies, they want a resilient ecosystem of suppliers. So what's a resilient ecosystem? Something we know looking out the window at a park or at a um, in a forest is it's about complexity and it's about diversity in the environment. You don't want monolithic suppliers that you're relying on. That actually makes you vulnerable to negative impacts when your supply chain gets disrupted. By right. having a very diverse supply chain, which covers and looks like your community, that's the second point, you end up being more resilient and you can handle crises like the one that we've just been going through. And that's the that second point is really about ensuring your company's supplier base reflects the communities it operates in. And why do we do that? We do it because how else do we stay connected to those communities and to our customers? We have to reflect them back. We have to look at their values, how they're what do they look like and we need to look like that. That's a big part of operating a successful business and maintaining the economic health of those communities is to keep that reflection in your supply base. And I think it also helps with gaining trust, right? Oh, imagine the help it has in any situation where a challenge occurs. And we, we know that's inevitable in businesses. Mistakes can happen. Things can occur where the community, you need to have built up a trust base with them and you need to have an account that you can draw down a little bit at times and say, you know what? Okay, this happened, but look, we're working hard to be part of the community, to be connected. So creating that investment in a relationship, a strong relationship to a to your community and building a sense within that community that you're part of it is something that provides you valuable ammunition to deal with a problem that emerges and to handle anything that uh, comes up those contingencies are best resolved by having two parties that aren't starting off with animosity, but are starting off with a basis of trust and connectivity. Yeah. And I think there's a couple of things there. I mean, you know, through the pandemic, we've obviously been talking a lot about resilient supply chains. And I don't think once until this conversation with you, that diversity has really been mentioned as a key impact or a key factor to helping companies build that resiliency post-pandemic. And so, you know, I think it's a really interesting point that you bring up and something that's really going to resonate not only with the supply chain community, but the audience that's going to be listening to this. And they're going to sort of take a step back and be like, huh, you know, diversity could be one of those key factors for us to be able to really come out of this strong. And I think the other thing that you mentioned was, you know, the community and the customers that you serve being able to resonate with you as a partner and the community of suppliers that they're going to be dealing with. And that makes a huge difference, right? When you walk into a room, you resonate a lot more with somebody that looks, talks, you know, 
is is somewhat similar to you. And I think it just brings collaboration in business to a whole nother level. And I'm glad that you guys have been, you know, really focused on this. And, and I'm glad that we're talking about it today. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about Teal Book Supplier Diversity Self-Certification and what are the steps involved in that process? I mean, we want to get that 5% number way up. Way so up. how do we do that? Well, when we first entered the diversity world at Tealbook, we were focused on the reporting aspect. So that was helping the businesses actually determine what diverse suppliers they were working with. But there's a big problem. Historically, certifying your company could cost you thousands of dollars and effort that would be days and would stretch out in time over weeks. That's an overwhelming prospect when you're thinking you're typically a smaller organization and you're trying to make a go of it in what is a difficult world. So we really work closely with some government agencies and with our clients, many of whom are leaders in the diversity space, to determine what were the key components of the certification process and how could we streamline it so it goes from days to minutes? And then how could we do that for free? So right. that was our key focus. We want it to take you a couple of minutes. And we want it to be free. So as a supplier now, and any supplier who hears this, you can do this. It costs you nothing. Go to tealbook.com. You sign in. You'll see an area. What will be fascinating to you, by the way, when you first do that, you're going to see a whole description of your company, what it does, where you're located, um, what are your key offerings. And there'll be a certification area where you can just add a new certificate. As you add each certificate and say, oh, I'm diverse because maybe I'm a woman-owned business, Tealbook will show you what is it you're actually saying that you are. What are the requirements to meet that? And they're very simple. It's just a couple of sentences you got to read. Um, when you can determine that, yes, that tr that's true t for me for a given capability. Maybe I'm showing that I'm small or maybe I'm showing I'm woman-owned or minority-owned. Um, you attest to that. Now you're done. And actually, you're not just done for one buyer. You're done for the hundreds of buyers accessing Tealbook. And all you have to do is once a year, you can sign in and, and check the validity. So you can reconfirm your validity once a year after you've done that. And that's all it takes. So the whole process from start to end, I've timed it from sign up to completion, will take you less than half an hour. Wow. I, you know, I, I cannot believe because I, I've looked at, you know, some of the processes to be certified in, in different ways for some of my businesses. And the paperwork is so cumbersome and they ask you questions that you just don't know how to answer potentially, or you're sitting there thinking, well, am I, or am I not? And what if I put the wrong answer? Um, but it sounds like you guys have really turned that into such an easy process. I mean, 30 minutes. Wow. And, and you can be certified and then obviously they can have access to whoever's in your system that is looking to work with somebody like you, um, which obviously gives you business in, in minute, minutes, which is a great thing as well. But then I want to ask you about the tier two diversity program. Does that differ? How does that work? And what are the benefits to suppliers? Well, tier two is a fascinating area. It's, it really is most applicable to the largest organizations. So we've got it 
to book a, a number of Fortune 100 clients. And of course, it can be hard as a Fortune 100 client to have a set of small suppliers working for you. Right. You work, you try to find small and diverse suppliers, but sometimes it's just a question of scale. You can't get enough of any one given thing from suppliers of that size. And so if you're committed to diversity, what do you do as that large organization? You can mm-hmm. make a certain amount of movement yourself, but then what you can do is you can reach out to your own supply base who aren't smaller diverse and encourage them to engage in a diversity mm-hmm. program. And right. the way they do that is they run a tier two diversity program. So I, as a, a large company, ask one of my suppliers who's not diverse, could you work at building up the diverse the diversity of your supply base? And then could you, once a year, report back to me how much of the money I paid you ended up in the hands of small and diverse companies? Right. Now, as a large company, that means that I really can then track the effect, the positive effect I'm having on the community in terms of how much of the money that I'm spending is actually ending up in the pockets of small and diverse company Mm -hmm. owners and their employees. And so that it basically takes the light from under the bushel and says, oh, no, look at what we're doing. It may seem on the surface that we weren't achieving much, but if you actually look at that tier two, you see it's filtering down and that the benefit is is happening and so being able to trace through your tier two initiatives trace your spend from your direct suppliers to your supplier suppliers and then trace the impact of that spend and encourage your suppliers to operate in diversity and think about this it isn't just one layer right because really couldn't that supplier engage their suppliers and ask them Mm -hmm. to work on their diversity that's the kind of network effect that could completely change the engagement of companies with diverse suppliers and make it so much easier to find diverse suppliers and also have a reason for even mid-size or smaller um, companies to be seeking out more diverse and small suppliers to work with. Yeah, and it's so true, right? We talk about, and I think I I mentioned collaboration in in the other episodes as well, is, you know, really the the future of business is in collaboration. And what you're talking about and the network that you're talking about really includes that that collaboration piece and also the communication piece, you know, just working together to make sure everybody is in a win-win scenario. And that really, from a diversity standpoint, is the only way forward and how we're all going to succeed in this, right? Because if we're not working together and you're not asking your suppliers and their suppliers, et cetera, et cetera, how are we going to make a difference and how are we going to make an impact? And so, you know, I think, I think that's a really good point. And I'm, I'm glad that we're, we're talking about how um, they can make an impact where they stand. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to make an impact with the suppliers at their fingertips, but they can work together with the suppliers, their, the, the suppliers at their fingertips to really down the line, make it more diverse and, and change the landscape for everybody, really. And that positive benefit of that collaboration, I think you feel it in the health of the community. You'll feel it in the health of the relationships between those because it's saying both parties, 
Yes, we're trying to make money. Yes, we're businesses doing this. But we also have an overarching interest mm-hmm. in the health and welfare of our community. Yeah. And well, a big part of that is making sure small and diverse companies have a chance to flourish. Yeah. And think of the impact that it's going to make, right? Um, Not only on them as a business, but like you said, in the communities where those businesses are, right? Because it's going to elevate the economy. It's going to um, bring uh, health and wellness to that community on so many different levels because everybody's prospering at that point rather than you know, them having to potentially struggle to make those sales and get in front of those companies and, you know, wanting to be part of the process, but not, but just, you know, falling, falling to some of those um, challenges that are in front of them that they just can't get over. And so we work from the top down, things can get that much easier for everybody. Exactly. So in times of crisis like this one, you know, where staff and money are tight, why is it so important for suppliers to participate in these kinds of programs? I mean, I've spoken to a lot of uh, a lot of organizations about supplier diversity. And a lot of the questions that I get back are, you know, where do I start? We're too small. I don't know if I can make an impact. Um, And so I think this is a really great question. While people are really um, taking a look at their business strategies, their supply chain strategies, they know they want a key element of sustainability. They know they want a key element of diversity, but they're just not sure, you know, whether they're, it's the right time or not. So what do you say to them? Well, to the suppliers, You know, I like to tell the story of when I started my first business. It was just my brother and I. You had to see the business cards we printed up and our email addresses. We tried to make it look like we had a million people behind us, like like a Fortune 100 company. I was so nervous that I actually, I had my address was Ian Woodbury at my company name because there were clearly many Ians, you know. Um, Kind of embarrassing because I thought of the small size of my organization as a bug, as a problem. But something that suppliers need to realize that in today's procurement, their diversity is a feature. Right. Customers and potential customers want to target more of their spending with diverse companies. They're not holding that against you. It's You no longer have to hide that fact that you're a little smaller or you, know, you, mm-hmm. you are founded by two women. That used to be something I had friends who worried about putting their faces on their websites. Would that stop them from getting business? This is changing in the world. And a key part of this transformation is for suppliers to see that change, embrace it, and then get the benefit of it. To realize that there are really big companies out there that if if they saw you were diverse and they see you in a list of suppliers, your name's going to pop up, pop up to the top. Maybe you didn't realize that. Maybe you don't realize that that's actually a driving force in decision-making at a number of organizations. So turn it around, make this tiny investment, and it used to be daunting, but as I'm saying now, it doesn't take you more than half an hour. Put that investment of time in, and then that lets you tap into a huge market. And it doesn't guarantee success, but it's like opening another door. And we all know when you're small business, you never know which one of those 
is going to be the opportunity that takes you to the next level. You got to keep opening doors. You you need it to be easy enough and not to cost you so much that it interferes with your business. But I think we've delivered that. And now we just need the suppliers to feel like, okay, I'm going to open myself for business. And that means certifying my diversity, putting it out there for the world to see, and then allowing that as a way to channel business to me. Yeah. And I think from the other point of view as well, um, you know, suppliers can come in many different forms and they can cover many different business units, you know, from marketing to product to um, supplies to all sorts of things. And I think, you know, you make an impact where you can. And if that means that, you know, you're looking for suppliers for different parts of your business and you don't think that you're a, a big enough business to be able to make that much of an impact, maybe it, maybe you just start in one area, but just start. Absolutely. And there are some areas where there's some amazing companies and this is happening. Of course, typically, you know, the small and diverse companies, many of them are in areas where they don't need large initial capital investment. So, you know, you might be making comparisons and looking at which of your categories can you see that as appropriate. And that's a good option for looking at. Um, so that people who kind of come up with a great idea and started something from scratch, you know, that they get a chance to grow that. Um, and then you can still find it in every category. That's an amazing thing I've found in Tealbook is that in every category, there are diverse suppliers. And right. I still know that I've only found one in 10 of them. So I'm looking at this saying, there's a lot more out there and I want to find all of those suppliers. I love that. I love that passion. So one thing that often comes up in our podcasts is obviously the topic of change. I mean, it's something that we've been talking about forever, but especially in the last couple of months. Um, we're talking about how we're all constantly adapting to meet that change um, how we all need to be kind of comfortable with uncomfortable because, you know, things are just going to continue to change. So as that constant change continues, how does technology need to evolve and how quickly does it need to evolve? Well, the time scale is so fascinating. And I mean, it's got to evolve because it takes us a long time to evolve. We human beings were a little slow on the evolutionary scale when you compare it to technology. So we need the technology to get ahead of us and keep making it possible for us to achieve our goals within an ever increasingly rapidly changing world. Um, that means that the time tick for change now is less than 18 months. If your yeah. organization can't go through a transformation in 18 months, you can't keep up. Mm -hmm. We saw that in Teal Book with building the tier two diversity. We were, we had a diversity offering last year and it was only on the ground for a year. And I said, well, actually without tier two, this is not covering enough. We need to reach out to tier two and we need to reach out to self-certification. And so we had to do massive reinvestment and innovate again, not just innovate once, but you got to innovate again. And you've got to do that every 18 months. And, you know, my only prediction is soon it's going to be you're going to need to innovate every year. Yeah. And, after, and it only accelerates. So mm -hmm. this willingness to always be recreating, to never just rest on saying, oh, well, that's good enough. I mean, the previous ways of doing diversity reporting, it was about a large number of people in a room with spreadsheets and 
calling people up and asking them if they were diverse and checking file folders and things. You know, it was uh, that is something still going on in many organizations. So, and yet at the same time, I'm looking at what we're doing, which is so much past that, and saying, actually, I've already got to be thinking about the next wave of innovation. What are we mm-hmm. going to be doing a year from now to keep? in a position where we can continue to meet these evolving requirements. Because mm-hmm. if you can't do the job in that time, then sometimes you miss this magic window where we could actually make a difference in the way the world works and we could actually change something. Um, I think right now is that there's a huge opening in the diversity space for us to make a significant impact on the purchasing decisions of procurement organizations by making diversity easier and by making it easier for organizations to kind of track and improve over time their engagement with diverse suppliers. So, mm-hmm. But it's going to take constant innovation because people don't have any time. They don't have time to spend more effort on this. Mm-hmm. They just have time to do the job they're trying to get done every day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so you've got to make it easier. You need to innovate. I mean, those are those are absolutely crucial for us to be able to move and make this impact um, to what we're doing in procurement and supply chain. So how does Tealbook and its new offering um, support that kind of innovation and that kind of turnaround? Well, the key piece is you got to leverage technology. So we've done a big investment in machine learning, for example, and natural language processing. So you can imagine you're talking about all the questions you see on that diversity questionnaire. What if they were already filled in? What if your address and your name and your location and what you do and all, what if all that information was already filled in and all you had to do was check it? So that's what we did in Tealbook is we said, we're actually going to invest in the technology to build this information up for suppliers so that when they get in there and they need to, they want to certify themselves as diverse, they're only focused on the high value process, which is the actual certification and attestation. They're not bogged down in all the, the paperwork of doing the rest. So that's really important for our, that's our first technological change. And in part because we did that, it means that we know millions and millions of suppliers and we know about them, what they do, and if they're diverse. Um, we actually are then able to look along the full spend curve of a large business. So typically in the historic methodology of doing diversity reporting, only about 20% of a of a company's suppliers would be checked to see if they're diverse because it was so expensive and it was a manual process. What Tealbook does is we cover the entire curve. So we check from your million dollar spend down to your $1 spend. And we look for diversity across that whole scale so that you can actually represent your true impact of your spend instead Mm of, you know, you naturally think if you only focused on the top spend organizations, fewer of those by percentage are going to be, small and or diverse kind of by definition. Mm-hmm. Can you, can you predict and uh, suggest? Totally. That's, that's another thing is a lot of people say, well, I'd work with diverse organizations, but I can't find one. Right. So how do I find one? And yeah. not only do I, how do I find one, but how do I find one that I could have 
a level of trust where I could engage in a new supplier relationship. Because we all know engaging in a new supplier relationship costs a business money, right? Even starting that conversation, you know, there are reasons why there's been movements towards rationalization. It's because all of those relationships cost money. So you only want to invest in those relationships if you have a good sense it's going to work out for you. And so a key part of what we do is build this trust network so that you can find the suppliers who could do what you do really quickly. And then you can see that they've actually done this kind of work with other organizations like yours. You can see that they've been endorsed for the capability you're looking for. And you can very quickly review their ability to meet your demands or your needs and do that with very little work being required of them. So both sides get to have a very rapid interchange of information. And that rapid movement of information, frictionless between the supplier and the buyer, is a way that we can open up our funnel to accept more new suppliers because we've actually taken the friction out of that, which is the primary cause of the expense. So we all know, what's the worst part? Trying to find the email address of somebody, trying to get someone to answer your message. You know, you're like, oh, I just don't want to do that, so then I'll stick with this big supplier. Teambook's all about taking that friction out of the equation and making that communication instantaneous. I love it. I love it. You sign me up. I'm ready. (laughs) So um, before we wind down this interview, I've got one last question for you. And I want to know, what are some of the biggest lessons the team at Tilbook have learned from, you know, this journey in diversity, from, you know, the crisis and all of the change that has really come from what we've experienced in the last couple of months? To me, the biggest revelation was how little even some of the richest, most successful organizations in this world, including governments, how little information they actually knew about their suppliers, how little they had available, so that they could not, in a time of crisis, answer key questions. Key questions like, which farms are in danger of going into bankruptcy if they go through a period of three months without being able to sell anything. Where can I find polypropylene? (laughs) Who makes masks that actually have been certified (laughs) in my area? They did finding answers to questions like this, that organizations had never thought they needed to ask. And at Teal book, a big part of our focus is, creating this streamlined movement of information. I was just talking about that. And it's, you never know what information an organization's going to need. So you have to have a way of whenever a new requirement comes in, quickly responding to that and getting the information into the hands of the buying organization so they can respond to the crisis. And that for me was the biggest revelation was seeing that many of these organizations that I would have thought had it all figured out the terrible position an unexpected event like COVID had on them and their ability to execute their procurement strategies. And so be able to step in with Tealbook and with the speed at which we could realign um, to those requirements, we built a big fan base by responding quickly to that, showing that you didn't need a year's warning in advance to get an answer to that question. You didn't need to put a research team on it for a month. You could go into Tealbook and get it. And so that, that transformation of the very concept of how do you respond to a crisis, 
How do you respond? You have to be able to ask questions and get answers quickly to let you make an intelligent, informed choice of what's the right strategy to respond. And I feel like we really found our niche in this time. And uh, it's been amazing for us to see how we could help in the situation and to understand how much farther we still need to go so that we can keep innovating to provide the tools to respond to the next unknown unknown. And we all know there's always a next one. Absolutely. And how to support and help pivot that much easier and faster. So as data-driven brainstormers with serious entrepreneurial spirit and a commitment to revolutionizing how companies work together, Tealbook consistently wows clients and creates dynamic B2B communities for Fortune 1000 brands and innovators. For more information about Tealbook, check out their website at tealbook.com. That's T-E-A-L book.com. Thank you to Ian for joining me on the show today. Thanks, Sarah. It's so important to learn from our experiences to drive that good data. And I can't wait for you to share more of your lessons you've learned from crisis with us here at Let's Talk Supply Chain. So don't forget to join us next week for episode four, the final show of our Lessons Learned from Crisis mini series in partnership with Tealbook.